0: Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. It is Christmas time. Come on. There's just something about Christmas time. Yeah. Hey, one person. Come on, you bunch of Scrooges. It's Christmas time. There you go. Man, we are so thrilled that you are here worshiping with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, you're more than welcome to open them up to the Book of Revelation. We're going to use uh, the exact same text uh, we were in last week from Revelation chapter four as well. You know, you can always find all the links, everything Pastor Jason talked about, as well as the sermon notes and everything's available for you on the U Version Bible app as well. Under the Live Events tab, you can find it. It's connected right here to this location. So, man, we are excited for what God is doing. I love Christmas season. Uh, everybody knows in the staff this is kind of just like, I, I, I know I act probably not my age uh, most of the other time of the year, but this time of the year, I exaggerate it even more. Uh, I am just thoroughly in love with Christmas. There's just this sense of anticipation, expectation, the, the joy that comes from people gathering together with one purpose and one goal in mind. And so uh, today, if you have your Bibles, Revelation chapter 4, as we continue this series, uh, Echo Holy. What is this? Uh, as, as we're going to look at this passage of scripture from uh, Revelation chapter 4. And, and it's, I think it's important. Pastor Jason talked about a couple of these things last week. So the, I just want to kind of refresh your memory just a little bit. This is from uh, a man called John. Uh, he was uh, one of the apostles. He was called John the Revelator later on because he wrote the revelation, the revealing of who Jesus is in, the, in these last times. And one of the interesting things is all the other apostles died a martyr's death except for John. But one of the reasons why John didn't die a martyr's death is because they couldn't kill him. They actually tried to boil him alive in hot oil, and it didn't kill him, so they exiled him to the island of Patmos, and, and where John would later have this vision and, and write the revelation of Jesus Christ. You say, Tim, what am I trying to say to you this morning? Listen to me. Here's what I want to say to you today. Listen, when God has a purpose for you, the world cannot stop God's purpose in your life. Even if they try and boil you alive, come on, somebody, God's purpose will always be fulfilled in your life. Come on. And so this morning, I want us to look at this. Sometimes I feel like, I don't know about y'all, but for me, a lot of times I got like, I don't know, there's a lot of pressure. Come on. Is it all right? Can I be real with you all this morning? Can I come down off the, sometimes the high pedestal we put people on that are on a platform with a microphone and some light shining on them? Can I tell you, we're normal people. We all are. We are all in desperate need of the Holy Spirit and His and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so today, a lot of times we feel like this major pressure, this this almost anxiety and responsibility that we have to live up to a certain standard that maybe not necessarily God has set out for us, but that we kind of put on our own terms, in our own minds, how how I need to provide for my family or how I need to be able to take care of my, my, of my spouse and all that goes on in, in, in the ministry that God has given me or the people that the Lord has allowed me to have influence over over, and you kind of take all that, and all of a sudden, it just is like, and then you mess up. Right, or you you fall short, and you just feel like there's just nothing left. You've given everything you got, and there's nothing left in the tank. But there's still more to be done. Come on, am I talking to anybody in the room today? Listen, I want you to hear to me today. Yeah, it, we we're talking about echo holy. How how can we can reflect the glory of God in a lost and dying world? Even though, listen to me. Even though some of us we are not perfect. Uh, let's just be honest. All of us aren't perfect. You happen to think you're perfect? Just get out the room right now because you're messing the rest of us imperfect people up. And so this morning, I, I, we're going to look at this picture of, uh, of John has this, just this immense encounter in the presence of God. I, let's, just, let's look at this. Revelation chapter 4. If you haven't, will you stand for the reading of God's word today? Revelation chapter 4. Starting at verse 1, we're going to read the whole thing. It's 11 verses. You know I talk quickly, so let's roll. Come on. Revelation chapter 4, starting at verse 1 says, Then I looked, and I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. And the voice said, Come up here. And I will show you, what, you mu- what must happen after this. And instantly, I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. And the one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like Jasper and Carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circle is thrown like a rainbow. 24 thrones surrounded him, and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had crowns uh, in their heads. And from their throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with seven burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. And in the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes on front and back. Pastor Jason talked about this last last week. Isn't it funny sometimes how we have this, this just really... I don't know where I don't know. I want to know who started it. Where we all think angels are like chubby little babies with uh, you know with you know blonde hair and wear a diaper and have some wings and kind of like you know or, or sometimes you get the grown up angels that you know it looks like an Irish, an Irishman wearing a white robe you know and they like like they're just coming around like no you know like come on somebody uh, this this angel had eyeballs all over him that's weird you're acting like you've seen one before. I know it's eight fifteen, and y'all you're all holier than everybody else. Come on! When was the last time you saw an angel, let alone an angel with a bunch of wings and eyeballs all over it? Hello, are we going to be real this morning, or are we just going to stand here act like we got it all together? This is strange. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The the first of these living beings was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third was like a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over their eyes, and inside and out, day after day, night after night, they kept saying... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and giving to, and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before their throne, and they say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they Just because you created what you please. Come on, somebody. What an amazing picture of the presence of God. We did it last week. Let's do it again right now. You are worthy of it all. Come on, sing it this morning. Oh, you are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory, oh sing it again, you're worthy, you are worthy of it all, yeah, you are worthy of it all, for from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Lord, this morning, you deserve the glory. You deserve the glory, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy of it all. Lord, that includes all the good, all the bad, everything that we could possibly offer, Lord. We lay it at your feet right now, Lord, and we surrender our preconceived ideas, Lord. The notion oftentimes that we try and just put it on a facade and act like we have it all together today, Lord. I pray that the relevance and the realness of your presence would become it so near to us right now. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that, that that hardened hearts and shells that have kept us from being in your presence on a continual basis. May they melt under the presence of the King right now in Jesus' name. God, I love you. Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want you to look back at verse one. It says, then I looked and I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. And the voice said, come up here. I want to talk to you a message this morning entitled, come up here. Come up here. I believe God is calling us to a higher place of praise. I believe God is calling us to a, a deeper, a stronger level than what we've ever had before. And maybe some of us, we've never even really pursued the presence of God. And I know you, if you've been around faith, you've heard this phrase uh, for, for long enough. You're, you've heard it sooner or later, that God is not a formula to be figured out, but he is a presence to be followed. That God wants to have, listen to me, God wants to have an imminent presence in your life. That there is no doubt through any moment, through any circumstance, regardless of what we can or we cannot do, God wants to be in and through your life and every second and every season. You are not disqualified from the presence of God today. But I hear the voice of the king calling out to you and he is saying, come up here. Come up here. God is not expecting for you to stay down in the muck and the filth and the miry clay of your life, but today he has made a way and it is the nail-pierced hands of Jesus Christ that is reaching out to you as you hear the heartbeat of the Father crying out, come up here, and Jesus is willing to give you a lending hand and pick you up this morning. His grace is sufficient for you. Now, I want us to to kind of dig into this a little bit now. How do we really pursue the presence of God or enter the presence of God? I know sometimes we talk in kind of these big imagery and, you know, we just read this passage of scripture from Revelation 4, This just this enormous and immaculate portrait of the presence of God and we, we can talk in kind of these big ideas and we can even have these moments where we even sing the songs, you are worthy, and we sing these big things, but What's the practicality of his presence? What does that really look like in a life that is often full of failure? Mired with mistakes? Slandered in sin? All the heartache and pain of this world that we have to deal with. What does it look like to still be in the presence of God? Psalm 24 says, who may ascend the mountain of God, who may stand in his holy place, only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. See, it's people that have pure actions, pure intentions, their their attention, their worship is directed only towards the Lord, and they pursue truth. And it says in verse 5 that they receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may worship in your presence, O God. Of Jacob, See, it's only those of us that have clean hands and a pure heart that can enter, that can ascend the hill, that can come up there. And sometimes that seems so far away from down here. You know, we love hearing the phrase, come up here. That's awesome, God's calling you up. He's calling you up. But then you start looking around and you realize where you are. See, that's the problem. (laughs) We've taken our eyes off the one calling us, and we begin to look around at all the pain and the problems and the misunderstanding, the confusion and the heartache and and the cycles of depression and addiction and anxiety and fear and insecurities. I mean, come on, we even call them our, it's my pain, it's my sin, it's my insecurities, and we take ownership of the garbage that we're trying to let go of. Some of y'all call it your house, and you don't own it. The bank does. Come on. You kind of own the one brick on the one side of the house down by the footer. You know, you can't even see it. It's still under the dirt. But listen to me now. When God calls and justifies you, no thing and no man can cancel nor disqualify you. Let me say that again. When God calls and justifies you, no thing and no man can cancel nor disqualify you when God calls you. Hear me now. When God calls you, when he's saying, come up here. Dennis, come up here. Jason come up here Eric come up here Tim come up here Frank come up here. when God calls your name listen to me there is nothing this world can do that can cancel and disqualify the calling of God that is in your life and can I tell you maybe not all of you are called into ministry of full-time you know uh, vocational ministry but can I tell you all of us are called into the ministry of the presence of God as even the 24 elders and the four living creatures as they cry out holy 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 is the lord god almighty every man woman child that was ever created has been called to declare worthy worthy is the lamb worthy is the king we are all called to live in the presence of god we've all been called god has called you today so how do we live? How do we make these moments? How do we step into this? And obviously, the, the 24 elders sitting on their backs in just this, this awestruck moment. I don't know about y'all, but you know, if you've been maybe a little bit like me or, or, or even you have any kind of preconceived ideas of what holiness may look like. <laughs> See, when I was a kid, Pursued the presence of God, not just in worship on a Sunday morning, but, I mean, the lifestyle and living it and out. and uh, We, we, we kind of had a little misconceived idea for quite a while that we had this, like, holiness was this standard of living, right? And that, to a point, yes. But then what we ended up doing, God made the standard, and we started making rules on top of it to try and act like we knew what the standard was all the time. And we, and we took control instead of allowing God to be in control. I mean, let's be real. 30 years ago, if I'd have tried to walk up here with my shirt untucked, wearing green shoes with red velvet strings, come on, somebody, I'd have got tackled before I hit the front step. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Holiness used to be the standard, like, you know, for me, when I was a little kid, holiness, I'd looked at people, and I i thought the holiest people were, you know, the, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it, I'd say 15, you're gonna say it anyway. You know, like, I, these, were these like, li- older ladies that wore, you know, dresses all the way down to their ankles, because for some reason, ankles could do something for somebody, I didn't know that, but I guess that ankle bone right there really did something for somebody. They had to have their shoulders covered up, because apparently armpits are, something too, I guess, I don't know, and then they, they couldn't wear any makeup, no jewelry, nothing like that at all, and then the, they would take their hair, and they'd put it up on their head, right, and then like the higher the bun went, I thought that like the holier they were, I'm not real sure how that all straightened out, right, men had to wear three-piece suits, and it was all about what you looked like, that was kind of determined your level of holiness, what you looked like, and how, how many times you could get voted into office, See, holiness, yeah, it's definitely a standard, and it's the standard of God's word. It's not the standard of opinion of man. It's not, it's not man's opinion about what this says. It's what's in the black and white lettering here in God's word that are the standards of God's word. But listen to me today. Holiness is more than just standards. Holiness is the sovereignty and the sacredness of his presence. Holiness is the sovereignty and the sacredness of his presence. And what I'm trying to tell you today is holiness isn't a standard of levels to attain, but rather it's control to be surrendered. Holiness is control to be surrendered. It's not not another level to attain. It's not trying to like climb the ladder to get up there to somehow the more I do and the more I can give and the more people I can get to vote for me on on, on an early winter morning. uh, Listen, that has nothing to do with holiness. Holiness is simply releasing control to the sovereign God who is in full control of everything that has ever existed anywhere. That's holiness. Releasing full control to God. And so I want you to understand our surrender leads to his sovereignty. Sovereignty means that he is holy. Holiness is sovereignty. Sovereignty is holiness, that God is in control. He is sovereign regardless of what I do or don't do. I do not determine the holiness of God. I do not determine the sovereignty of God. I cannot control him. I am to submit to him. But oftentimes, we come in and we try and act like we're going to, we don't think this, but this is exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to manipulate God with how we can worship or how much we can give or how long we can pray or what we can, and how many people we can get to agree with our opinion. That's not holiness. That's manipulation. And people that manipulate don't spend eternity in the presence of God, (laughs) We're not here to change God's mind about you today. You cannot change God's mind about you. That's a good thing. Because he loves me and cares for me regardless what I can or cannot do for him. Isn't that how Jesus demonstrated his love for us? While we were still sinners, he went ahead and surrendered his life. See, holiness is not another level to attain. It's rather control to be surrendered. Our surrender leads to his sovereignty. I, I want you to look at this. Want, let me unpack this a little bit for you. This, look at John chapter 1, verse 43. And then if you want to stick your finger down into Genesis 28, that's where John 1 really references. But John chapter 1, verse 43, let me explain to you how we can make this happen, how we can release control to God. Our surrender leads to his sovereignty. John 143 says, the next day, this is very early on in, in, in the ministry of Jesus, as he's calling his disciples. The very next day in, in John chapter 143, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, Come follow me. Come up here, Philip, right? Come follow me. Philip was from Bethesda and Andrew in and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. And told him, We found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, Nathanael exclaimed. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can I stop there for a second? I renounce and I rebuke any former ideology and principality. Listen, I'm from Greene County and I was well aware. Listen, when, I, when people in Greene County, even still to this day, when, if you cross the Mason Town Bridge, you're on your own. That's what they'll tell you. Never again will we compete for the number one poverty county in this, in this state ever again. Never again, never again will we be known for addiction and pain and what used to happen and the history, I love the history of the past, but guess what, it's in the past. We are living here and now in the present and God has a plan and a purpose for us. Listen to me, if God can do all those wonderful things in the past before anything was here, I got news for you, God can do more than, exceedingly and abundantly, far more than what we could ever ask, imagine, or think. God has bigger and better plans for you and your family and this community and this community that what you could ever, listen, never will I ever want to ever hear again what good could ever come from Fayette County? What good could ever come from Uniontown? What good could ever come from Belvernon and Brownsville? What good could ever come from Fairchance? What good could ever come from Point Marion? Let me tell you what can. I'm telling you, it could be the presence of God as we lift up, as the, as the throne room of God is crying out holy and we cry out worthy, the presence of God descends. He is enthroned in the praises of his people. What good can come from... Let me tell you what good. How about the last day great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that ushers, ushers in the end time harvest so we can go home to be with Jesus. That's what can come out of Fayette County. What, what can come out? <sighs> can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And in verse 47, as they approached, Jesus said, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man with complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under the fig tree? You will see even greater things than this. And then he said, I tell you the truth, you will see a heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, and the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Listen, now, this is, by the way, is, and, and all the other gospels, he's called, it's the same kind of deal, done time to explain it, just simply a relative, at least a close friend of Philip, and Philip comes, and Nathaniel is sitting underneath a fig tree, and Philip comes and says, hey, we found him. We found him. We found the Messiah. We found the one the prophets were talking about that would come and save us. We found him. His name is Jesus from Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, Nazareth? You know, what are you talking about? And as time goes on, here comes Jesus walking down the road and Philip says, hey, there he is. See, I, there's a lot of people. I tried to find who the original author was of this quote and I couldn't find it anywhere. There were several different people that took credit for it, so I'll take credit for it, but I'm gonna tell you that somebody else said it. How about that? Christianity is just one beggar telling another beggar where bread is. Christianity is just another beggar, is one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. That's it sometimes we get so consumed you know that god is calling us up here that we have a plan and a purpose to to reach your family to reach your workplace to reach your neighborhood your community this county this state this nation and how do we do that listen i it's not like Pastor Jason and I aren't going to take a, you know, a, a, a stage around and set it up all over the place and preach and expect that's how we're going to reach everybody. Can I tell you, more people are saved outside of a church than they are inside of a church. And it comes from people, listen, one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. And Philip says, Nathaniel, this is where I found, it's Jesus. And here comes Jesus. He comes walking along and he sees Nathaniel. And he says, hey, Nathaniel. And I like, what's going on? He goes, Whew. Here's an Israelite in whom there is no guile, who there is you have complete integrity. And, and Nathaniel Bartholomew, he was a man that was very had a very high reputation. He was a very, he was zealot. He was deep in his theology. He was say, pursuing the presence of God, but really asking in, in all sincerity, in truth, wanting to know who the Messiah was. And so he had questions. Can I tell you today, God is not upset, nor is he taken back, nor is he offended by your doubt and your questions. You can come to God today with all your doubt and all your questions, and he is the one who is willing to meet each and every one of those needs. And Jesus says, oh, here's somebody that that you you don't have any deceit in you. Nathaniel says, how do you know who I am? Jesus says, because I saw you earlier sitting under the fig tree. Jesus wasn't around any time whenever Nathaniel was sitting under the fig tree before, but Jesus knows, because he's God. (laughs) Jesus knows where you are. He knows where you're sitting right now. He knows what was said to you last night. He knows what was done to you last year. He knows. He sees you. Jesus says, Nathaniel, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. Nathaniel said, whoa, you must be the Messiah. Jesus like, buddy, if you, if you believe in me just because I told you I saw you sitting under a fig tree, buckle up, Jack. You know, you ain't seen nothing yet. You don't see nothing yet," said. I am the stairway. I, there will be angels ascending and descending upon me. And see, Jesus knew that Nathanael, he was a deep, devout, practicing Jew. And, and he, listen, every Jew knew what Jesus was referencing right here. This goes to Genesis chapter 28. And Jacob has an encounter with the Lord at a place called Bethel where he, he lays down at night. He's so tired he was running for his life, running from his brother Esau. And Jacob goes running and he gets so tired, he lays down at at a place called Luz, L-U-Z, Luz. And Jacob lays down and has this, uh, this amazing dream, and in Genesis 28, 16, Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it, but he also was afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God, the very gateway of heaven. Jacob had this amazing dream where he saw this ladder coming down out of heaven and angels ascending and descending upon this ladder, and Jacob saw this. He woke up and said, whoa, I didn't Realize realized it before, but now I do. I didn't know God was working before, but now I am coming to understand. I can look back and see the fingerprints of God that even though I had to run for my life, God brought me to exactly where he wanted me to be so that he could fulfill his purpose in me. Listen to me today. Although the enemy might be chasing you down and you feel like you're running for your life, listen to me, I got news for you. Even the plans and the works of the enemy, God can turn around for your benefit and for his glory. To fulfill his destiny and purpose in your life. Jacob woke up and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. It's horrible English, but incredible theology. The Lord is in this place, present tense. I wasn't aware of it, past tense. But now I'm becoming aware. See, it, it's, just, it's more than a song we sing. Even when we can't see it, he's working. Even when we can't feel it, he's working. He never stops working. And Jacob had to submit. He wakes up. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And I love it. And Jacob names the place Bethel. Bethel meaning, Beth meaning house, El meaning God. The house of God. The house of God. It used to be called Luz. L-U-Z. Luz means crooked and perverse. I love it. Even though I might make a mistake, even though Jacob tried to manipulate and scheme and try and steal his brother's birthright and do all the things, even in my crooked path, I'm thankful today that I can have an encounter with an almighty God as he is saying, come up here. And he can make my crooked path straight for his glory. But it's when I trust him, when I surrender to him, We have to surrender to God. We have to surrender our vision, our diction, our action, our expectation. See, there were angels ascending and descending upon this ladder. in, In the simplest form, the word angel simply means messenger. An angel is simply a messenger from God. Oftentimes, God wants to give us different messages, but oftentimes, we only wanna receive the ones we wanna hear because we assume If we all agree that God is a loving God who cares for you and he sees right where you are and despite your pain and your heartache, even though while we were still sinners, Jesus still died for us, listen to me, God has his best intentions for us. We are submitting to his control. We're not trying to manipulate and convince God to change his mind for our benefit, but God already has a better plan for us than what we have for us. And when we submit to that, listen to me today, uh, oftentimes God has a message for us. And sometimes, listen to me, sometimes it's a message of correction. But those of us that have been in church long enough or we've done this job long enough, I don't need to be told. Is that right? Is that right? Again, I didn't know you were perfect already. I know you might be sitting there acting like you're perfect, but let's be real. Let's, let's lay down the stained glass masquerade today. See, it's kind of like this. I, I live in Mount Morris. You know, I still live there. Uh, you got to pray for me. Man, I've been trying to buy a house here for I don't know how many years now. Y'all, Yo, you built too nice of houses or something. It's worth too much. I don't know what to tell you. Sometimes you know our little town of Mount Morris, we're known for. There's like, man, I think it's like 1,200 people that live in the whole township, right? Super small. We don't have one stoplight. The stoplight, the stop signs have the white ring around them to make them optional. And it's it's called High Point Raceway. How many ever to Mount Morris? East Bend do not come to Uniontown, just so y'all know. They come to Mount Morris. You know, on the Ocho, you know, I mean, it's there. And it's ama- but oftentimes we'll be in town, and, and High Point Raceway is kind of out in the distance. You know, it's down a cow path somewhere, essentially. Right, and people go in, they camp, but it's hard to find. And oftentimes, people be driving down in the middle of our town, and surely the, we, there's always somebody standing down in, 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 by the store, by by the grocery store, or you know where the fire department is, and they'll step out and they'll see this big rig coming, and they'll try and wave the big rig down. Sometimes they stop, and then sometimes they get mad and they honk their horn. Arr, arr, get out of the way! Right? See, the town people aren't mad that they're there. It's the one time of year my, that, that Mount Morris actually can make any kind of money. You know. They're actually happier there, but they know if you're in the middle of town, you are so far from where you need to go, you're going to get lost. So they're trying to stop you and tell you you're on the wrong path. If you turn around, go up here and make a, see, oftentimes we're on the wrong path. And God sends somebody in our way. Sometimes it's an angel. Sometimes it's somebody that has a message from God and we don't want to hear it because it's correcting on the, the, the direction that we think we're going. Because we know better. We looked it up. Right? Even though they live here, they've been to where you need to go. Come on. They've driven the path. They've been, they live there. They know where you need to go. But when correction comes, we don't want to hear it because we assume they're mad and they're upset with us. God is not mad and upset with you. He wants to put you on the right path. When God is correcting you, he's not doing it because he's mad at you. He's doing it because he loves you and he wants you to get to where he is destined for you to be. That's correction. There's also inspiration. It's a big sign that says, hey, high point's two miles ahead. Keep going. That's inspiration. There's different messages that come, but we have to understand that when we submit control, when we surrender to God, it acknowledges his sovereignty, that God is in control and I'm not. And lastly, listen to me. One of the most amazing things about this is oftentimes I grapple with this. I struggle with this. I have a hard time with this. Our struggle will lead to his sacredness. Our struggle will lead to his sacredness. See? Let me fast forward the story of Jacob. If you go from Genesis 28 to Genesis 32, this is after Jacob had been up with his, with his uncle and, and did work and tried to, you know, got a wife, and a couple of wives actually at this point, and, and uh, he's coming back down to where God has asked him to go. And in Genesis 32, it says, during the night Jacob got up and took two of his wives. And two of his servant wives and 11 his sons and crossed the, Jack, uh, the Jackbug River uh, with them. And after taking them to the other side, he sent over all, of his, all his possessions. Then uh, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And listen now, a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. That lets me know sometimes. I, when I see the word wrenched, I feel like God's talking to me in my hillbilly ease. Come on, somebody. "wrenched" is like, that's, that's, that's a good hillbilly word. Come on, somebody. for with me, say, all hillbilly said amen right there. There you go. I heard that, Frank. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. And he replied, Jacob. I love this. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with man and have won. See, oftentimes we can come to God, we can wrestle, we can ask God questions, we can come to him with our doubt and even our fear and our complacency, our insecurity, our shortcoming, our sickness, our sin, our hangups, our addictions. We can come to them with God and we can wrestle and we can try just try and figure things out with the Lord. It's called working out our salvation. This oftentimes isn't an easy task. Listen, the path to heaven is a narrow path. If you want something easy to do, go ahead and live your own way and spend eternity in the lake of burning fire. See, oftentimes we feel like our, our mistakes and our pain and our heartache has like exiled us to some island. Like a Charlie in the box. A cowboy riding an ostrich, a pink polka-dotted elephant, a choo-choo train with square wheels on the caboose, come on, a water pistol that shoots jelly, a bear with feathers, a bird that can't fly but can only swim in water. There you go. He knows. And what what, what movie or show is that from, buddy? What is it? Uh, Oh, that was a good one, but I'm going with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Island of Misfit Toys. Right? We feel like we don't have, we, we've come up short, we don't look like everybody else, we don't act like everybody else, we've come up short, and we don't have a lot going on for us. But God still has a plan and a purpose. That when we submit our struggle to the Lord, that it actually sows his sacredness. Sacred means that it's set apart for the purpose and glory of God. It's set apart for his presence. Can I tell you today, when you, listen, God fearfully and wonderfully made you, before one of your days ever came to be, he had them planned out for you. By the way, the plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans of hope and of a future, that God fearfully, he knitted you together in your mother's womb. You were destined to live in the presence of God. Listen, when God calls you, when God calls and justifies you, No man and no thing can cancel nor disqualify you. God is calling you into his presence, even though you think you don't have what it takes, even though you feel you've made some mistake in the past or you've been offended in the past and you're not sure what God has it for you anymore. I got news for you today. As long as you're on this side of the dirt, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. See... But you have to understand, Jacob is wrestling with God, and he wakes up. It's actually, in other translations, called the angel of the Lord. And uh, For me, I just can't confirm this scripturally based. I just sense in my heart and believe in my heart that this was actually Jesus that Jacob is wrestling with. And as Jacob is wrestling with Jesus all night long, Jesus looks at him and says, Hey, the sun's about to come up. I need to go. And Jacob won't let go. He says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Some of us give up too early. We can see the clock finally beginning to tick down, and we're like, uh, we don't have what it takes anymore. Just can't handle it. And we get so consumed with the scars left behind from the lashes and the pain and the infliction of the past. And God reaches out to Jacob and says, fine. And he touches Jacob's hip socket and causes Jacob to limp for the rest of his life. God says, Jesus says to Jacob, Jacob, what's your name? Jesus knew his name. (laughs) He knew his name. Jesus knew that the name of Jacob was Jacob. Jacob in Hebrew, Aramaic, really. Jacob, the Hebrew name for Jacob sounds exactly like the name for heel. Because Jacob reached out and grabbed the heel of Esau on his way out of his mother's womb, right? He, from the very beginning, Jacob was a schemer, a manipulator, a liar. He was always trying to figure it out and trying, trying to manipulate people and things for his own personal gain. He was, a, be, he was able to manipulate his mommy. He was able to manipulate his dad. He was able to manipulate all kinds of other people. He tried to manipulate his uncle to get the wife that he wanted. He tried to do all the things. But when he was touched by God, he said, No longer will your name be Jacob. Heal, that manipulator, the one that's always in last, the one that's always trying to get his own because nobody's ever fair for him. Nobody ever gives him what he deserves. Nobody, you know, just all the things that we try and listen and tell ourselves that nobody really cares about you. It's always somebody else that gets ahead of you. If you don't grab hold of them and and try and get it done for yourself, nobody's gonna take care of it for you. God says, that's not you anymore. Your name's no longer Jacob, but your name's Israel because you've wrestled with God and with man and you've overcome. That's what Israel means. Israel means those who struggle but overcome. Isn't that what we are? A group of people that are imperfect, that struggle that don't have a lot to offer in a lot of different ways. Maybe some of us can sing, some of us can give, some of us can serve. Some of us we, we all have a lot of different things that we can offer, but at the end of the day, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We make mistakes, we say things we shouldn't say, we don't say what we should, we do things we shouldn't do, and we don't do what we should. But God, when you're touched by God, see, Jacob had the limp for the rest of his life. He had a scar for the rest of his life. Can I tell you, Oftentimes, your scars tell the story of God's grace. Don't be ashamed of your scars. Don't be ashamed of what you went through. It did not disqualify you. In fact, it even qualifies you more. Because if you were able to go through cancer, if you were able to go through divorce, if you were able to go through COVID, if you were able to go through bankruptcy, if you were able to go through being molested and and abused in your past, I got news for you. If you were able to go through all that, there's nothing that can stop the plan and the purpose of God in your life because you have been touched by it. Think about this. Even whenever Jesus showed up to his, his disciples, he said, Look at my hands and my sides. It's me. See the scars? It's really me. It's the scars that oftentimes identify you that you have received the grace of God. <laughs> These angels, they bring messages, but they also minister to us. They minister to us. Hebrews 1:14 says angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. You know what I love about angels is they come to bring us messages, they also come to minister to us. The story of the Christmas story of Joseph and Mary and soon to be baby Jesus. Joseph, a devout religious man, engaged to what most people believe to be a 13, possibly 14-year-old girl, Mary. And she becomes pregnant outside of marriage. Joseph went ahead because an angel showed up to him. What was the first thing the angel said to Joseph? Fear not. Fear not. An angel shows up to Mary says fear not the angels show up to the shepherds and say fear not the angels of God are showing up today in your life and they have a message of ministry for you and the message is clear it's the number one command that was spoken more in the Bible than any other command that was ever written throughout scripture and it's simply two words fear not fear not see fear looks inward fear looks in to my insecurities to my pain my heartache my sickness my shortcoming my addiction but when I surrender that fear and I look up to Jesus listen to me when I surrender the struggle to God it acknowledges that he is sacred that I have been set apart for his presence and as I worship the, well, as I worship the Lord the presence of God he is enthroned in the praises of his people come up here come up here come up here I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on in your life today, but I hear God saying, come up here. Come up here. If you were to read further along and in, in, into Hebrews chapter 3, it says that oftentimes that we need to be kind to strangers because you may not know, but you have been entertaining angels. You've Be kind. Show hospitality. Be kind. Can I tell you, your level of kindness is a high indicator of how close you are to the heart of God. Here's why. Romans says that it is the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. It is the heart of God to bring you into his presence. It's his kindness, his loving kindness that he wants to draw you out of your sin out of your shortcoming out of your know-it-all mentality out of you thinking you have it all together but saying God I trust you I'm not going to be worried see a lot of times uh, those of us that act like we have it all together those of us that act like we know it all we do it because we're afraid of what other people might think if they realize we don't it's okay fear not for God is with you He is a mighty Savior who is strong to save. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never turn his back on you. Oftentimes, as even Psalm 91 says, he will send angels to keep guard, to protect you. Just as he sent an angel to rescue Lot, just as he sent an angel to rescue Daniel out of the lion's den, just as he sent an angel, an army of angels to surround Elijah, just as he sent angels to, to minister to Hagar. Listen, he even sent angels to minister to his own son, Jesus. I believe today there's angels of God standing all around this room and in a a symphony of grace, they are declaring, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. And I can hear the heart of the Father saying, come up here. Come up here. It's time for you to surrender. It's time for you to, to allow your struggles to identify that you have been set apart for the glory and the presence of Jesus Christ. Come on, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? 2 Corinthians 3 says, For the Lord is spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. That's what it means to echo holy. We are reflecting the glory of God. And the angel who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Today, God's calling you up here. Come up here. Come up into His presence. Surrender to Him. Allow Him to do what only He could do in your life. We're going to sing this song. We sang it earlier, so I know you know it. Come on, all across this room, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. Don't allow yourself to be distracted by anything or anybody else. I invite you to lift your hands to the Lord in full surrender. Come on, it's the international sign of surrender. Everybody knows what this means. Come on, lift your hands high to the Lord. If you're not comfortable doing it, I definitely encourage you to do this because you need to come out from where you are and come up here into the presence of God. Come on, can we sing this together this morning. All the saints and angels are around his throne. Come on.